0: And welcome back to From My Mom's Basement, the podcast recorded directly from my mom's basement. I'm your host, David Chamberlain, and this is episode 18 of the podcast, entitled Some Coffee with Zyklon B. Thank you. There was the sound of cars on the street outside their tires slithering over the rained-out roads. The officer sat at his desk by the window, watching the cars spray rainwater from under their tires. It was a clear day, the air refreshed from a long night of rain, but still very cold. The officer came to his office with his collar turned up and his shoulders hunched. His trench coat did little to hold off the penetrating breeze. Now he sat at his desk, comfortable from the balmy heat of his radiator, and stared down at the cold people wandering the slippery streets below. Sometimes it was hard to tell they were trapped in the middle of a war. The cars moved steadily, and the people walked with their own personal purposes. It was hard for the officer to imagine a brutal conflict raging on the edges of his country's new empire. Here, things were pleasant, calm. His SS Thunderbolts were reflected in the rain-stained window, bright white zigzags against a firmly pressed black collar. The officer caught a glimpse of these runic shapes and turned away from the window, feeling sick. Amongst the pleasant sights and sounds of his city, he himself was the reminder of war. The officer sipped at his coffee and checked his watch. The representative from Tesha was late. The officer wasn't surprised. Even in wartime, these businessmen seemed to be in charge of things. The corporations of the fatherland ran according to their own timetables, seeming to have very little fear of disturbing Hitler and his regime. Many of these businesses existed before the Third Reich, and many would exist after the fate of the war had been decided. The officer crossed his legs and lit a cigarette. He noticed some white residue on his boots, dried dirt and salt collected from trudging through puddles of rain. The officer did his best to scrub off this residue, licking his handkerchief and rubbing the dirt away. The residue broke off the leather in long flakes and fell to the floor. After some violent scrubbing, the boots were returned to their mirror-like sheen. The officer was, after all, head of hygiene for the Schutzstaffel. He needed to at least look the part. He finished his cigarette and lit another. The representative from Tesha was now very late, and the officer was growing impatient. Between the coffee, cigarettes, and unpunctual business rep, his nerves were starting to stand on edge. The officer had a tight schedule to keep to, and unlike these businessmen, money wasn't the worst thing he could lose. The officer pulled out his silver cigarette case, ready to light his third cigarette of the morning, when he heard the soft voice of his secretary pipe up outside his office. Nearly thirty-five minutes late, the Tesha representative had finally arrived. The door to the officer's office was opened and the handsome business representative strolled inside, followed by the officer's young secretary. The Tesha rep was tall and well-proportioned. He wore a double-breasted suit, and his blonde hair was slicked back tight, accentuating his feline good looks. The officer stood. It's deceivingly cold out there, the representative said, slipping off his leather gloves. I noticed, said the officer, not eager to make small talk. Please, let Margaret take your coat. The representative slipped out of his woolen overcoat and handed it to the young secretary, giving her a flirtatious smile. Don't lose it now, said the representative to the secretary, winking. The young secretary smiled without showing any teeth and left the office, closing the door behind her. She's cute, said the representative. Are you two uh, sleeping together? You must be. The officer stood still behind his desk, his body rigid and his hands clasped tightly behind his back. He was expressionless. I have a family, said the officer. The representative rolled his eyes and sat down at the officer's desk without being invited to do so. It was a joke, Gerstein, said the representative, leaning back in his chair and crossing his legs. You soldiers take yourselves too seriously. You you should lighten up. This is all theater, don't you know? You're all playing a big game of make-believe. I mean, look at your costumes, for heaven's sakes. The representative gestured to the slick black uniform worn by the officer. They're attractive, yes, but unreal. The officer sat down at his desk and lit another cigarette, refraining to offer the representative one. You need to watch what you say, said the officer. Not everyone in the Reich is as lenient as I am. You might say the wrong thing to the wrong person one day and find yourself in a labor camp. Businessmen aren't immune to the Gestapo's reach. Oh, said the representative, smiling. I'm a loyal member of the party, aren't I? I'm only trying to have some fun. I apologize, officer. I sincerely apologize. Tell me, how's your family? The officer puffed quietly on his cigarette, staring at a portrait of the Fuhrer hanging on the wall behind the representative. They're fine, said the officer, as, as good as they can be under the uh, circumstances. And yours? Oh, I have a brother in North Africa, said the representative. He's, uh, become convinced of Rommel's genius. I'm, well, less convinced. That American Patton seems to be playing games with him. They're making circles in the desert, Gerstein. You can see the dust getting tossed in the air from here. If we lose North Africa, it'll only be a matter of time. Have you thought of serving the fatherland in that capacity? Asked the officer. In what capacity? Asked the representative. The capacity in which I wear a uniform and get shot at? No, Gerstein, I'm happy here. The women are all lonely and believe they may die at any moment. (laughs) A good combination. And uh, Tesha provides an important service to the Reich, does it not? Hmm, important enough, said the officer, running his fingers through his oiled hair. I suppose. How are things at Tesha? How is business? Good, good, said the representative, dropping into a more business-like attitude. Wartime has made us even more profitable, and uh, every time I see one of you fine men in a dark uniform, I can't help but get giddy. <laughs> the Reich has been generous. The officer nodded. Is there a way, asked the representative, is, is there a way I could get a cup of coffee? I'm sorry, I had a... "'I had a long night. If you catch my meaning, "'I'm still trying to get the train back on the tracks, so to speak. "'My head is is throbbing.' "'The officer grimaced and rubbed his finely wrinkled forehead. "'Uh, yes, we can manage that. "'But I'm afraid you're very late, Mr. Yeager. "'I don't have much time for small talk.' "'Oh, sure, sure,' said the representative. "'Gotta keep the machine moving, eh?' The officer nodded. Margaret, the officer shouted, his head angled towards the office door. Margaret, come here, please. The door to the officer's office creaked open slightly, and Margaret peeked her head inside. Yes, she asked in a quiet voice. Could you uh, bring us some coffee? Asked the officer. How do you take it, Mr. Yeager? Uh, black is fine, thank you the representative said to the secretary, smiling. The secretary nodded and slipped her head back outside, closing the door gently behind her, as if it were a fragile thing that might break. The two men returned their attention to each other. The representative was wearing a wide smile for no apparent reason. Have you been meeting with many of us from the hygiene department lately? asked the officer. Oh, sure, said the representative. But, uh, business does decline this time of year, I'm afraid. The cold months do our work for us. The officer nodded and squashed his cigarette in a glossy black ash tray. The SS Totenkopf, the skull and bones, was painted in the center of the tray and was now half-buried under cigarette ash and crumpled cigarette butts. The officer brushed his palms together, wiping off ashy residue collected from his cigarette, and leaned forward in his chair. He took in a deep breath. The Tesha representative squinted and cracked a crooked smile. What is it, Gerstein? What's what's going on? There's been a directive passed down, said the officer. Passed down, I believe, from Reichsfuhrer Himmler himself. But much of it is, is sensitive. I myself have been left mostly in the dark, but regardless, it will spell very good business for you. The representative clapped his hands and chuckled. (laughs) See what I mean? You should grow a beard and start calling yourself Father Christmas. (laughs) The officer did not think this was funny. He frowned and ran his bony hands down his chest, smoothing out his dark uniform. How many units do you have on this side of the river? "'As we speak,' the officer asked. "'The representative dropped his happy countenance, furrowing his brow. "'Well, Gerstein,' the representative said in a semi-patronizing tone, "'in business, supply is generally based on demand. "'As the cold months come, there's less demand for fumigation, so less is "'Why? "'I couldn't imagine the Reich needing any more than what we have presently available.' you have some new surplus warehouses that need treatment? I did hear an entire armored division was retired. You'll need to store those tanks somewhere, won't you? There was a meek knock on the door. Come in, said the officer. The young secretary entered the office carrying a small tray with two coffees. Steam rose from the porcelain cups. The secretary scooted in between the representative and the officer's desk, settling the tray on the dark wood. It was all quiet but for the soft clinking of porcelain against metal. More cars rushed through the damp streets outside, their tires sounding ghostly against the wet asphalt. Thank you, Margaret, said the officer, mustering a subtle smile. The secretary smiled and turned to leave the office, but as she shuffled past the representative, he took her by the arm, wrapping his fingers around her skinny wrist. The secretary flinched. What are you up to this evening? The representative asked. I know a great club for dancing. I would love to take you. The secretary smiled. It was a fearful, ingenuine smile. Um, I'm flattered, she said. But my my mother will need me at home. I, I I have chores to see to and... Oh, come now. I'm sure the old bitch can do without you. Yeager! The officer yelled. Let her go. Now. You've crossed far too many lines this morning. The representative smiled and slowly loosed his grip on the secretary's forearm, holding his empty hand in the air as if to show he had surrendered. The secretary rushed out of the office, her head hung in embarrassment. She closed the door behind her. You take things too far, said the officer. If I see you treat a woman like that again, there will be consequences. The representative shrugged, and took one of the steaming cups of coffee from off the tray. I was only showing interest harmless interest. Your behavior is upsetting, Jaeger. The representative took an indulgent slurp of his coffee, and then wiped his lips with the back of his shirt sleeve. Might we get back to business, Gerstein? <laughs> I'm curious. Tell me, what what do you need all of this Zyklon for? It's 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 hardly the season for it. As I said, said the officer, frowning. I am not entirely privy to the exact purpose of the units. The information is highly sensitive. Even if I did know, I wouldn't be able to share that information with you. I simply know the Reich is in need of a high quantity of the chemical, and as head of hygiene, it falls on me to acquire it. Now, how many units could I have, say, by the end of the month? The representative took a loud sip from his coffee and leaned back in his chair. Pursing his lips, he looked up to the ceiling of the office and thought for a moment. His face was comical, clownish. Oh, I'm sure we could get a few hundred pounds by the end of the month. Would uh, would that be satisfactory? If that's all you can muster, said the officer, then it will have to do. (laughs) It won't come cheap said the representative, a predatory smile widening on his face. The Reich will have to pay certain fees for for expedited transport, and so on and so forth. Yes, yes, said the officer, giving the representative a dismissive wave of his hand. We'll pay what you ask, no matter how criminal the fees are. But there is something else, Um, something very important. The officer's voice trailed off his eyes locking onto some invisible point in the middle distance. He stared expressionless for a moment, his mouth agape. Well? the representative asked, his feline eyes trying to see through the officer. What is it? The officer slowly closed his eyes, as if it pained him to do so, and then massaged them, kneading the thin skin of his eyelids with his shaky fingers. He sighed. I understand said the officer, opening his eyes, that Zyklon has a kind of cautionary irritant to its chemical makeup. Uh, yes, of course, said the representative. It's uh, it's safer that way. It alerts people to its presence. It it causes eye irritation and watering. It's it's mildly uncomfortable, but it, it'll save your life. There's also a cautionary odor. It, it smells lousy, but it serves its purpose. It's it's been known to clear a room in seconds. <laughs> Why? Would it be possible to remove these cautionary devices? The officer asked in a kind of rehearsed way, like he had been running this question over and over in his mind. The representative licked his lips. Oh, I, I don't think it would be impossible, said the representative, a little nonplussed. But I don't think it would be very wise. Hydrogen cyanide is is completely unidentifiable to the senses. If you're exposed without knowing it, it it could spell death, a a very quick death. We, We add these irritants for safety, for the safety of the user. The officer nodded. Sir, asked the representative. Can I ask why you would want these irritants removed? No, said the officer. No, you cannot. But, in truth, I'm as curious as you. I've been left with little information. Regardless, could you have a non-irritant variant of Zyklon for me by, by the end of the month as well? The representative sighed in frustration, placed his coffee cup on the officer's desk, and rested his hands on his knees, leaning in towards the stoic officer. No! Gerstein, said the representative, taking on an aggressive tone, something risky, even for this overconfident businessman. I, I don't think we can do that. It's not that simple. Tresha doesn't produce the Zyklon. You should know this. We don't do the manufacturing. We're simply a distribution firm. The Zyklon's produced across the river at Degesh. They have the patent. They have the production line. If you wanted to talk about altering the production of Zyklon, you, you should have gotten in touch with someone from Degish. I mean, Jesus, Gerstein, you should know these things. In, in in order for me to get this bizarre form of Zyklon, I would have to get in touch with a rep from Degish, who would have to get the approval from their superiors, and and then the chemists would have to do their work. I mean, it's not just a switch I can flip. My god, Gerstein, I, I really kind of resent you for putting me in this position. It if it's the smell the Reich can't stand, I'm, I'm sure they could alter it to smell like daisies or oranges, but to remove the smell entirely? i It's very dangerous, Gerstein, you know this. I, I can only see bad things coming out of this, very bad things. The officer took his cup of coffee and sipped at it, unfazed by the representative's apprehensions. He nodded. Tell them, said the officer in a stable, monotonous voice. Tell them, over at Degish, that this directive comes straight from Reichsfuhrer Himmler and Colonel Reinhard Heydrich. I'm sure they'll be happy to oblige. The representative was silent. His eyes were wide in desperation, searching the officer for some further explanation for this strange request. It makes one wonder, Gerstein, said the representative, shaking his head. It makes one wonder. I'm following orders, said the officer. Simply following orders. I understand your confusion. But can you see what you can do for me, Jaeger?" The representative pulled at his chin and shot up quickly from his chair. Yes, Herr Obersturmfuhrer, replied the representative, somewhat mockingly. I'll see what I can do. Give my regards to your family. The representative stomped towards the office door. Wait, Jaeger, said the officer, standing up behind his desk, his leather boots squeaking as he put his weight on them. The representative stopped just before the door and turned back to face the officer. What is it? Please, behave yourself, won't you? Don't let this war turn you into something. Something you don't recognize. Something inhuman. (laughs) Oh, Gerstein, said the representative, smiling sarcastically. That's interesting advice coming from someone in your position. Look at us. We became monsters a long time ago. I am now simply playing the part. The representative left the office, slamming the door hard behind him. Most officers would have had such behavior punished, but not Gerstein. He was sympathetic to the young representative's frustration. He too wondered about the exact implications of an odorless, irritantless Zyklon. But he was a high ranking member of the Third Reich and was now deep enough into an organization to understand that sometimes ignorance and loyalty are the same thing. The officer sat back down behind his desk and checked his watch. He had another meeting soon. It would be a day of meetings. He sighed and flicked off some lint that clung to his jet-black trousers. Outside, there was the sound of laughter. The officer swiveled around in his desk chair and looked out his rain-stained window. Down on the sidewalk below were children jumping in puddles, splashing and laughing. The officer looked down on these children and smiled, and for a moment he forced himself to pretend, to believe that there was no war and no Reich and no Fuhrer, and no Zyklon. And for a moment, he really did believe. Thank you for listening. That was uh, episode 18 of the podcast, entitled, Some Coffee with Zyklon B. This episode was written, produced, edited, and narrated by myself, with the music being by Kevin MacLeod. Thank you all for listening.